Today's reading is from Luke 11, verses 5 through 13. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door's already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That did my heart good. Let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for being a God who wants to speak to us, who wants to come before you in prayer. Lord, as we dive into how you modeled prayer and how you taught your disciples to pray, Lord, I pray that you mold us, shape us, that we can better connect to you and better connect to this world. Lord, we say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. We are in a series called Life Together. And when AJ and I were talking through it, and actually AJ put it together, his passion, his heart was to help us as Christians be better at integrating our entire life and faith. Because so often, like the rest of our world, like the rest of our life, it can be so easy to segment, okay, my faith has this compartmentalized spot. So maybe we go to church on Sunday morning, or we tune in on Sunday morning, or I'll pray for X amount of time throughout the day, right? And so we segment our life, but now I'm going to work. Now I'm going to school. Now, now I'm doing something with the family. But the whole point of this sermon series was to help realign our faith, to help us understand that our faith isn't meant to be compartmentalized, but instead it's part of all of life together. And part of that, what we're talking about today, is how our faith and our prayer is meant to be a part of our whole life. And that's what Jesus models when he was praying, that's what he teaches, and that's what this whole section of scripture is about today, right? So it starts off, one day, this is in Luke chapter 11, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. This makes sense. When you read through the Gospels, it's really clear that Jesus often would go by himself and he would pray. It's a part of faith. And that, that makes sense. And his disciples wanting to learn to be like him come with a really honest question. Hey, can you show us the right way how to pray? I think that's a question that all of us, certainly myself, wrestle with on a pretty regular basis. It makes sense. And other teachers, like John the Baptist, he taught his disciples, hey, this is my method. This is the way that I pray. So the disciples go to Jesus. Hey, can you do that for us? And Jesus being a good teacher, Jesus wanting his disciples to have that same type of relationship, he's like, yeah, for sure. But before we get there, there are some misconceptions that I want to address at the forefront of this conversation. There are different, I'm going to call them categories of prayer that miss the point of what God is trying to do, right? And the first category 
is the break in case of emergency prayer. Now, all of us have done this, myself included. This is when something goes wrong, right? Maybe something happens with work or at school, or maybe you go to the doctors and you get some news that's not good, right? This is the holy crud, life's getting hard, break the glass, God, please fix this situation right now. Jesus, take the wheel, right? That, that's that type of prayer. Now, God wants you to bring your challenges, your fears, your crisis to him. So it is okay, in fact, it is very important that when you are going through emergencies, God wants to hear about them. But sometimes we treat prayer as that's the only category. We forget about God, we forget about prayer, unless there's an active emergency that's going on, right? So that's category one of the wrong way, or at least the, the wrong frame of mind to look at prayer. Now the second one, though, is what I like to call the cosmic vending machine prayer. This is when you want something, when you have a specific need, very specific, right? We want this house, or this job, or I want to make this sports team, or I want this to happen in the Olympics. Whatever it is, we treat prayer like a cosmic vending machine. If we can just hit the right buttons, God will give us what we want. Right? The genie in a bottle. You, you are here to serve me and my desires and my wants. And again, God actually wants to know what you want. We're going to find out in a little bit that he calls us his children. He is a good God who has good gifts for his kids. He wants to know the desires of our heart. And yet when we treat prayer as nothing but that cosmic vending machine, we're, we're missing out. And then the last category, I had trouble figuring out how I wanted to define it. The fearful supplicant prayer. The, God, please don't smite me. Help me do the right thing because I don't want your wrath to come down on me. I always think of Bruce Almighty, if you've ever seen that with Jim Carrey. And he says, smite me, almighty smiter, right? This idea that we have to somehow convince God to, to not be mad at us. And so we pray to kind of get into his good graces or even more importantly, to stay out of his bad graces. That's not the relationship that Jesus modeled with his father. That's not the relationship that Jesus is calling us as his children to have with our father. So what is Jesus' answer? What does he say? Well, it goes on. And Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father. One of the things that I love about this specific account of Jesus teaching about the Lord's Prayer, which is essentially what we're going to go through. So when you look at it in Matthew, it's our Father, which is awesome because it's our family prayer. But you don't have just a corporate God. You're not part of just a corporate family. But you have an individual relationship with the God of the universe. And not just as God to supplicant, not just as Lord to servant, but as father to child. And he frames the prayer in that method. And if you've ever wondered why sometimes when you read different accounts where like Luke's account of the Lord's Prayer looks a little bit different than Matthew's account of the Lord's Prayer... Well, think about it as if you're a teacher, right? Jesus would go around the countryside essentially teaching the same lessons over and over and over again. And like any teacher, if you had multiple periods, 
When you walk in, you're not going to give the exact same lesson the exact same way every single time. No, first period, they're going to learn about the same thing in second period, but it's going to be tweaked a little bit. It's going to look a little bit different. It's going to have a different flair and flavor to the students that are in that classroom. That's what Jesus is doing in the Gospels when you see different accounts, different Lord's prayers, quote unquote. It's the same truth, just framed a little bit differently for different audiences which is awesome because every time we encounter scripture, we are a little bit different. Our audience is a little bit different. So God uses that. Anyway, all right. So it starts off with this idea that we have a relationship, not just as God to servant, but as father to child, which is huge when we talk about how we look at prayer and the God that we're going to. We don't have to go before him trembling. I hope he's not mad at me today. This isn't the fickle Zeus who could throw down lightning bolts if he's having a bad day. No, Jesus starts off by saying, Father. But then he immediately frames it. Hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come. So not only do we have a father, but according to Jesus, we have a father that is good and holy, and his plans are good and holy. Your kingdom come is asking for God's plans to happen. In Matthew, we get a little bit more context of that. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, when we are praying to our Father, we are admitting something. We are confessing something. That his plans are good. That his will is good. And we're asking for things to happen on earth, here, in this physical space, in this present time, the same way they would happen in heaven. The same way they would happen under his total authority at the end of time. Yes, we have a father, but he's holy and he's good. And we are asking for those holy and good things to start to happen and to move and to manifest in our life, in our community, and in our world. And Jesus goes on, and give us each day our daily bread. This may be for me, personal, most important line of prayer that I get. Because so often in my prayer life, so often outside of my prayer life, I am concerned with what happened in the past, the slights, my mistakes, things I goofed up on, or I'm obsessed with what might happen in the future. God, are we going to have enough? Am I going to be good enough? Am I smart enough? What if this goes wrong? What if that goes wrong, right? And I can get so far into the future that I miss the present. One of the beautiful things about Jesus talking to his disciples, teaching them about prayer, is that he helps focus it on the present moment. And when you look at our culture today, one of the big challenges we have is it's so easy to get out of the present moment. 
It's so easy to get focused on the future or obsessed with the past that, that we lose out in the gift, the breath of this moment here and now. And what Jesus provides his disciples in prayer is a framework that says, no, prayer is for the present moment. Give us this day our daily bread, what we need for this moment. Not having to obsess about what's going to happen in the future or the past. I love that song we sang, Your Love is Strong, right? It goes through the Lord's Prayer. It talks about the flowers. And they're not freaked out about the next day. And yet Jesus says that none of us in all of our good threads are nearly as dressed as a flower. I woke up this morning and there was a cardinal outside our back door. I just stared at it for a good five minutes. Reflecting on Jesus saying, look at the birds of the field. God provides for them, he says. God knows what they need. He says, every sparrow is accounted for. And then Jesus says, and don't worry, you are worth more than many sparrows. Jesus frames prayer as a present moment, a daily bread. Lord, give us what we need today. And he is a good God, and so he wants us to bring those needs to him. Continues on. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. The reason why Jesus connects those two is because God can't abide. God cannot connect to sin. And so that's why every week as a church, we confess, hey, God, I'm still broken. I I still have challenges. And the good news is that Jesus, every week, every day, every moment, the grace of God, the goodness of God washes us clean, purifies us. And so we have our own personal sin between us and God, but he connects it to us forgiving others. Why? Why? Well, because when we're holding on to our own sin or onto someone else, the sins they've done against us, it has the same effect. It separates us from God. When I am clinging on to my sin and my failure and saying there's no way God can love me, or when I am clinging on to someone else's sin, they wronged me, they hurt me, It has the same effect. It separates us from God. God is light. Light fills the entire room. It has no place with darkness unless something gets in the way. That's what sin does. Our sin, the sins of others, when we hold to them, God realizes it separates us from him, so he gives us a way out. It says, I came to forgive not just your sin, but the sins of the whole world that we don't have to hold on to it any longer. That not only are we cleaned and purified, but he allows us to unclench our grip on the brokenness and the evil of the world that we can better connect to him, but also better connect to each other as well. Forgive us our sins, Jesus teaches us to pray, as we forgive others. And that doesn't mean that those we are forgiving we are fully reconciled with. Reconciliation takes two people. 
And sometimes the people that we are in conflict with don't want to reconcile with us. But that doesn't mean we have to carry that brokenness. We don't have to cling to it. We can release it, live and let live, and trust that God will ultimately reconcile all of us one day through Christ. Jesus then continues, and lead us not into temptation. God promises to guide our days. That we don't have to figure it out by ourselves. What we're supposed to do on a moment-by-moment basis. He gives us the Holy Spirit. I'll talk about that in a little bit. Last week I got an opportunity to do kids' ministry with our kids, and we were talking about the Holy Spirit, and we were talking about how we learn to not just trust God, but have the wisdom of God, knowing not only what is right, but being able to do it. And the Holy Spirit's how God does that. It's that Jiminy Cricket conscience that he gives us that helps guide our decisions, that we can intuitively know how to handle situations. Jesus continues on, and then he tells this parable. He said, suppose one of you had a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine has come for a journey, and I have no food to offer him. Suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children are all in bed. I can't give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not give, uh, get up and give you bread because of friendship, because of your shameless audacity, surely he will get up and give you all that you need. Right, now, this is a parable, and parables often are misunderstood. Because the point of a parable is not to figure out what is each individual line, what is each individual sentence means. The point of a parable is kind of like the point of a joke. You're trying to get to the punchline. And so Jesus' point is not that when we go before God, God is three, uh, midnight not wanting to take our prayer requests. Right? That is not what he's trying to get at. What he's trying to get at is that last line, because of your shameless audacity, because of your boldness, God wants you to be bold in your prayer. God wants you to be bold in your present. He wants you to bring it all to him. He doesn't want any part of your life compartmentalized from your faith. And again, it is so natural in this culture to do that. To want to separate our hurts or our fears or our dreams. And well, God doesn't, he doesn't care about that. That's not spiritual quote-unquote stuff. That's not how Jesus teaches about prayer. Instead, he wants us to bring what we're excited about. He wants us to bring what we're scared about. He wants us to bring him into the present moment. You might notice that in almost every part of the service, I start off with prayer. Before I preach, after worship, before worship, before communion. The reason why I do that is because I want to invite God into every moment of the service. 
I don't want it to be my best thoughts, my best wisdom leading this church. Instead, I am not just modeling, but living out this present moment to moment. God, I want you here in this moment. And it's easy for me to do it when I'm up here, right? When I'm on stage, the Jesus time, quote unquote. But where I struggle and what I am working towards is before every meeting I have. I'm going to have lunch with someone, if I'm going to grab a drink with someone, if I'm going to go to Baghdad and help teachers move classrooms, to pray before those moments, to invite them in, whether it's a conversation Erica and I are going to have, or before we hang out on the couch, to bring him in at the highs and the lows, that prayer would be an opportunity for, to, to bring me into the present, to walk with him. Jesus continues on and ask and it will be uh, ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and the door will be open for everyone who asks receives the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks the door will be open these are these are heavy lines right this is a promise that if you ask God for something that you will receive it that what you seek, you're going to find. Whatever door you're knocking at is going to be open. This is heavy stuff. This is one of the big things Jesus teaches his disciples. And it's also one of the big things that we as Christians can get wrong. Because we can start to think, oh, that means I'm going to get whatever I want whenever I want it. It's the cosmic vending machine. That's not what Jesus is promising. In fact, he's promising something that's more powerful than that. I don't know about you, but I can't tell you, I've literally lost count of how much stuff I was convinced that I wanted. God, if you just give me this thing, this person, this relationship, this job, then I'll finally be happy. And then I get that thing, I seek it, by hook or by crook, I get what I want, and then it turns to ash because what I find is that my will, my wisdom is pretty limited in the grand scope of things, even in my own life. And so what Jesus is pushing towards is that there's a way that we can get wisdom in our prayer so we're asking for the right things, we're trusting in the right things that we can grow closer to him and grow closer to who he wants us to be. Right? He finishes by saying this, which of you fathers, if you have a son, ask for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven know to give the Holy Spirit to those who seek him? See, that's the answer to the prayer. That's what it means to seek and to knock, to receive. It's that we get the Holy Spirit. That God's going to start to do something inside of us that will teach us and mold us and guide us. That we can have the gifts that last. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These counter-cultural fruits 
blessings that he puts in our life that allows us not only to live differently, but to experience life differently. And then our wants and our desires begin to be molded by him. And when we're molded by him, it changes our prayer requests. It helps us get in sync, in harmony with what he's doing and it changes our present. That, that's what prayer is all about. It's meant to be your present daily bread. You're in this moment, in this breath. You're not alone. You have a God who is for you, and you have a God who is sending you in this moment to be an ambassador of him a God who is seeking after us, a God who is for us. So I think the best thing we can do right now is just to model this a little bit. I want to go back to those three questions. What are you excited about? What are you anxious about? What are you going to do today, this Sunday, August the 8th? Get comfortable. We're going to pray. There's going to be some silence. That's okay. But bring God into your present moment now. As we wrap up this sermon, this message on prayer, let's live it out. I invite you to pray with me now. Heavenly Father, Lord, you built us. You know what we're good at. You know what we're excited about. Lord, we come before you now with the desires of our heart. Lord, whether it's where we're at in our job, where we want to be with school, where we want to be with our family, Lord, we come before you open-handed, presenting our present desires to you. Lord God, we live in a, a weird time in civilization. Lord, well, we are blessed, certainly beyond our worth. Lord, we're also in a season where it can be so loud. Lord, that the concerns of the world, the troubles of our heart, can almost feel like a flood sometimes. Lord, we come before you now being honest about the things that we're concerned with, we're scared about. Lord God, you gave us today. You don't promise us tomorrow. You don't promise us 10 years from now. You promise us daily bread this moment, this day. Lord, uh, we're going to leave here. We're going to get off the couch. Uh, we're going to do things today. We're going to see people today. 
Lord, we lift up today to you, Lord, and all the different interactions we're going to have. Lord God, we thank you for being Lord of the present. Lord, the future, the past is too big for us. But this moment with you, this day with you is enough. Lord, help us stay in the moment. Help us stay connected to you. Help us invite you into every interaction we have today, every project we work on, we invite you into. We say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. We're going to go into a time of worship that will help lead us into the Lord's Supper.